Welcome to Beyond the Sales Floor. I'm your host, Morgan J. Ingram. And what we're going to be doing is unveiling and unpacking sales playbooks from enterprise sales leaders. I'm super excited for our first guest, Dan Drucker. Now, Dan, I'm reading right here that his role is so massive, VP of National Sales and Marketing at Canon Business Processing. And we broke down his outbound strategy and what he's seeing right now in the market to break through the noise. We also incorporated a new term, scuba prospecting. Uh, and he shares his top tips on how you can be great at outbound today. I promise you this will be a great episode. Excited for y'all to tune in. Okay, Dan, what's going on? So uh, I'm super excited about this series that we're doing. I'm excited to have you on, Dan. We've had some great conversations offline. Uh, now we're bringing them to light here with this content series. And to kick off, like, what's an experiment that you're running right now that you're super excited about? And it could be on the sales side, could be on the marketing side, it could be both. All right. Yeah, I have to remember I wear I wear two hats. So <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about our kind of the massive increase in the use of video from a marketing standpoint and then expanding our, our social media channels to match that. So, you know, if you look back in 2022, we dropped about 10, what I would guess you'd call talking head videos with various executives and subject matter experts from our company. And we promoted them with what I would say pretty decent results. This year, we've experimented with more animated videos, especially for some of our productized services, just to show exactly how they work. And we've refocused on our YouTube channel, which is not, typically a channel that I would say our ICP hangs out in, but times are changing. So, you know, the anim animated videos, no surprise, are having a really huge success. Um, cost per subscriber is still a little bit high for my liking, but it, it's a work in progress. So, and that, that the whole use of the video and getting different people in the company to participate, it's kind of jazzed up and gotten everybody excited um, as something new and, and, a, and a little bit more, more modern than maybe traditional marketing method, methods. Yeah, so I want to, before we go into the overall outbound strategy to put your sales hat on, I want to talk to the marketing hat real quick. You mentioned that they are performing well. Why do you think these videos perform well on this animation side? I mean, I think it speaks to uh, kind of the mentality of the, the, the world today and that people like things in short doses. Um, I don't think they want to be talked at. You know, I think you see that even from... Uh, presentation formats and everything. It's kind of short clips, short videos. People like animation. People like how-to videos also. So there's, you know, talking heads, which are talking all about us and, and, and what we do and how great we are and how we can help you, which is terrific. But I think these animated videos are really walking them through a particular service offering in a very simple way. So they kind of look at it and say, yeah, I understand that. We have something like that. We could use that. And, and it really broke it down for us nicely. So I think those small bites really help people understand and learn better. Yeah, I, I agree. We're definitely moving into snackable information and bite-side information. Yes. And I think also adding a different element to it because it's animated as well. Uh, and if it makes sense to the audience, then you, you keep doing it. So let, let's talk about the outbound perspective. Could you walk me through what your outbound strategy is, is today? Are you account-based model, not account-based model? How do you segment the team? Walk us through that. You got it. So it is account-based. Uh, our main focus is on the Fortune 1000. The only true segmentation we have in sales is that we have a dedicated sales team selling into the legal market just because it's such a different world. But there is segmentation in marketing efforts really based on service offering. For example, our warehouse and logistics services are targeted 
almost exclusively to large manufacturing, biopharma, and hospitals. Our digital transformation services focused almost exclusively on finance and insurance. And while sales is officially not segmented that way, as you know, geography often dictates what lead vertical markets are in that area, and thus a lead service offering that that either rep or sales team is uh, is focusing on and pursues. Yeah, so there's a multitude of different things that you said there. You mentioned legal, you mentioned different spectrums that you're going into. These are probably harder organizations to get in front of. What are some tactics that you're running to get in front of these organizations? Because they're getting hit up a lot. I mean, I think... You know, what we've really had success at, believe it or not, is, is outbound email, um, you know, marketing efforts. And I know that's that may run counter to a lot of things you hear, but we, we've we've had success both in the legal market and the corporate market. Um, but we're doing, you know, what I would call using super specificity uh, for, for lack of a better word. So think about targeting very specific titles at very specific organizations in a specific environment for an individual service service offering. You need to be super focused on just a single problem or two they're facing and a single outcome or two they need. You know, you know, mass efforts are failing and even segmented semi-personal efforts aren't doing that well. To me, you need intense specificity. And we really kind of converted to that over the past six, eight, 10 months. And we're seeing really good results in terms of, of people responding and want to further the conversation. So I'm gonna I'm gonna coin this and I'm gonna call it scuba prospecting. So you're getting your <laughs> you're getting super, yeah, right right take it, take it. So <laughs> sounds like you're you're going nine thousand leagues under the sea and doing things that are very granular that other people aren't. So how are you coming up with these outcomes that you believe the prospects are gonna care about? Because there's information that we just don't know yet, right? And how is marketing playing into that? So I think, you know, one of the things you have is, you know, as you know, I've got marketing and sales under my you know, umbrella, which is great. And I don't understand why. And now that I live this, I don't understand why any organization would not uh, mm. do that. It's, it's, a, it's a great approach. And I remember in my own organization when it wasn't that way and, and it wasn't pretty, it was like two separate companies. Um, and because I oversee both, you know, my role is kind of a facilitator to drive conversations to figure out what works. And we've been able to create a variety of, let's just call them continuous feedback loops. Mm -hmm. You've obviously got the marketing side. So you've got the metrics, the analytics, A-B testing and all that, that normal stuff, right? But we also get a lot of feedback from sales, the folks in the field, regular meetings with marketing, with the various sales team, giving feedback as to what's working, what's resonating. And quite frankly, where our conversations dying? Because we know there's that point where they start talking to somebody and all of a sudden there's no, there's no more follow up. They get ghosted, right? So what happened? Um, we get feedback from our clients. You know, we've got a, a few hundred very happy clients. Um, we meet with them regularly for, through a variety of methods. We've got, you know, executive business reviews. We've got monthly meetings. We've got surveys that go out. Obviously there's informal conversations. What was their win in doing business with us to them personally? What would they say to others? What's really resonate? What's changing? What's looking forward? So that 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 feedback is, is just invaluable. And then we get feedback from our subject matter experts, you know, kind of our technologists, our solutions uh, developers within our own company, talking more about what are the hot buttons in their solution set today. And then you take all that and all that is flying into marketing at various points. And we look at that and the more feedback we get, 
the tighter we get with our personas, the tighter we get with our messaging, and the better results we're getting in lead gen. Quantity, yes, but more important to me is quality. Quality matters. I mean, if you're just doing quantity at this point and that's your only focus, you're going to run up against a wall. We're, we're, I mean, we're already seeing that, right? So what I want to talk about real quick before we go into more of the alignment piece that you were talking about is the emails because you said those are successful. Some would yep. say that that is dying, but I feel like everyone says that nowadays something is dying. So it, we can't really believe that too much. Everything's um, dead. Yeah. Coca-Cola's dead. <laughs> email's dead. Outbound's dead. Sales is dead. It's all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just shut down the sales team. That's basically exactly. that's what I'm hearing from LinkedIn. That's the that's the gist. But my, my question for you is you mentioned that you're doing all that work to understand the personas and also as well to understand who you're going after. So when you're doing these emails, what is the strategy you're recommending to people in terms of length of email, subject lines? If you could give us a little bit of take on that. Yeah. So uh as I said, just making me laugh because we just had this conversation, uh, you know, with my marketing leadership, you know, probably a few days ago because uh, we just launched, a, you know, a, a new campaign uh, for our, our warehouse and distribution services targeting CFOs. And, you know, the teams got together, sales, the subject matter experts, and they, they put together a series. And to me, it was long, you know, it was very long and we do a lot of great things. It was telling stories. And it was wonderful. I thought it was long. I was like, all right, let's try that. I said, but let me write one. And I wrote a real quick one because I'm paying attention on LinkedIn to the three word subject lines and, and don't get cute. Just talk about a problem you're going to solve. Open up, uh, you know, a pretty easy call to action at the end. Um, so we're measuring all that. I have found shorter emails, shorter subject lines. Talk very specifically about what problem of theirs you can solve. Don't make assumptions. Just, you know, talk about we see these problems in organizations like this or, you know, companies like this or your cohorts. Right. Is that a problem for you? Give them an easy out, give them an easy call to action and go from there. I am certainly not a fan of some of the tactics like, you know, would it be better to meet this afternoon or first thing tomorrow morning or any of that? I think <laughs> short, sweet, clear on the problem you're trying to solve for them, clear on asking them, is it really a problem for them? And if it is, is it impactful? You know, there's problems and there's problems. Um, and then a real simple call to action. I think those have been effective, but we have had some luck with other emails that are more sharing information and educating. I mean, I think there's a, there's a place for that as well. There, I mean, there is. And I think also as well, that is in the middle of your campaign. Typically, like I wouldn't lead with, Hey, here's some insight that I'm going to give you. Yes. Uh, I, but I believe at this point, if your email doesn't read like a short text, to a certain degree, the likelihood of someone responding is going to be low. I have had people who write very longer emails for technical personas. That could be a question to that could be debated, but to your point, that punchiness is going to be key. I mean, attention spans are short. My own is, I wish it wasn't, but somebody <laughs> asked me about, about reading long form, long form posts, blogs, things like that. I said, I got to admit something, something interests me. I'll click on it. It's a blog. And I start scrolling down and if they don't have bolded, section titles that I can quickly grasp, or as you say, snack on what's yep. in there, to see if I'm interested, I'm probably just deleting. And if I see those and they catch my interest, then I'll go back and read the whole thing. But that, that's just how we digest information these days. And, and people are getting bombarded out there. Um, so I think it is, you know, quick in and out, clear on what you, you're doing, easy call to action, um, and just catch their attention, get them hopefully starting a conversation and not dump everything on them from, from, you know, communication number one. Yeah. And you spoke of communication earlier 
and we're gonna we're gonna shift back to it because you said that if you would have known earlier that the marketing and sales teams were working together was so cohesive, you would have actually taken both earlier. So I guess my question to you is, how do you make sure that that communication remains tight? And what would you recommend to other sales leaders that are trying to get tight with our marketing team instead of it being a battle? Yeah, so yeah, it wasn't my choice to just take the marketing. Hey, like this is what I want. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate the confidence. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was when I actually got, first got elevated to um, uh, national uh, you know, sales, sales head on our executive team. There was a, a chief marketing officer and you know, that division at that point was kind of, I don't say they do know they were built. They were wonderful brand builders, wonderful at all that stuff, communications. They weren't that much into lead gen and they were completely disconnected with the field. And that, you know, that was kind of what their, 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 uh, what they were told to do at the time, you know, kind of build it up. And they were doing a great job with that. Mm-hmm. When that person was no longer with us, that's when the decision was made to roll it under one. And we completely changed what it was about. Yes, we still do branding, of course. And of course, communications are important and some of the other marketing things. But we completely shifted into a lead gen organization from a marketing standpoint and married that with the sales organization. And it, yes, are there some separations? Of course, there, there's different roles, but there's a, a consistency in messaging. There's a consistency in communication. And I think that's the key. I mean, you ask for advice to other leaders. Whether it's under one umbrella or separate departments, there has to be constant communications because you've got marketing outreach that we're doing on a regular basis. But of course, I expect my sales organization to be doing outreach, whether it's, you know, LinkedIn, cold calls, networking, you know, whatever Whatever. works. Those have to kind of be complementary. They can't be the messages can't conflict. The actual outreach can't conflict where you're hitting the same person from, you know, two different angles on the same day. and I, and I really think it's that feedback loop. I do. I think if you set up a scenario with sales, marketing, and any other pertinent uh, departments that touch the clients and the prospects, and there's constantly an exchange of information because everybody's coming at it from different perspectives, and you want to take advantage of that if you want to build the best engine. And I think so that would be my advice is make sure those feedback mechanisms are in place. They're formal. They're taking place regularly. They get tweaked as needed. And I te- that to me, that's what feed the en- feeds the engine. I love that. I think that's a good perspective and that's good advice for everyone that's listening in to be like, hey, look, these are things that I can now go do to go get that success. And, and speaking of success, you are, again, working in tandem in these two different organizations. What are the three initiatives that you're working on right now? And, and what are you driving towards to get that success with those initiatives? Yeah, that is, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I love to always think about this, what's working, what's not working, what else can we try? So I'd say the one is, is what I talked about earlier, that super specific, or what do we call it? Scuba prospecting. Scuba prospecting, you know, hey, look, prospecting. you got it. I'm going to have a t-shirt made up by the end of the day. <laughs> um, and that seems to be working, but the, you know, a couple other things. Number one, we've doubled down on partnerships. You know, those, those don't happen overnight, but we've put a, a, a ton of focus over the last few years on building just a, a small handful of partnerships and it's paid off big time last year and this year and that we are getting walked into large opportunities by our partners. And I'll tell you, you know, I put that about five steps ahead of even warm leads. I mean, that's been really, really impactful for us. The other initiative that's working, especially in a challenging economy where there is so much hesitation and uncertainty is what I would call selling an appetizer. You know, 
it's hard for some organizations today to make huge decisions on major undertakings, right? So we've developed a couple of low barrier to entry productized service offerings that are kind of like, I don't know, small bites, small plates. Mm -hmm. You know, one example is digital mail, which we stood up, you know, during the pandemic for obvious reasons. Mail is going to buildings. Nobody is, is inhabiting those buildings anymore. So you had to do something about it. But it's continued even after that to be a great offering for us. And it is a much simpler decision for companies to make to go with it. And the beauty of it is it begins the conversation about much more in-depth digital transformation efforts that we could help with. And that's that's really the main course. So I think coming up with these bite-sized offerings just as kind of a, you know, get in the door, start the conversations, prove yourself, develop the relationship is really a great way to go versus trying to sell these high-end complex solutions from day one that, you know, there's there's just a lot of pushback out there. And, and you know, a lot of folks are scared of, of change, scared of transition, scared of implementations, and, you know, just more comfortable with the status quo. They don't want to kind of put their necks on the line. So if you give them small bites, I think it's a way to start building that up. I love it. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't... I, I used to not be a huge fan of appetizers, but recently I have. And I think it's I think it's one of those things that before you get into the big meal, you just need to be like, hey, can I can I get a little taste of something before I go into right. deep so I can appreciate it more? And also as well, and maybe it's something that I'm like, wow, I, I want more of that item of that appetizer. You never know. So I really like that you have that appetizer to get people to feel like, hmm, okay, like, am I interested in this? Oh, I am. Let's go get more. And Let's talk about how you're measuring all this. So what are the metrics that you're looking at right now in terms of your outbound strategy? The obvious is outbound conversions, but anything that's alarming or something different that y'all do? I don't know that it's alarming. I mean, obviously, I regularly review with our marketing team, yep. all the standard metrics, you know, open rates, click-throughs, our website, bounce rates, all that stuff. But me personally, in the same way, I'm not someone who puts much or any stock in sales metrics like number of dials or emails sent. The marketing analytics... Yeah, they help us adapt, you know, and evolve our messaging, of course, but they're not the end all. To me, MQLs, marketing qualified leads are important, but to me, the most important is the conversion rate of MQLs into sales pipeline opportunities. That's that's all that matters because that rep represents not just qualification, but true and ongoing interest, need, timing, and budget. And at the end of the day, I want my sales team in front of decision makers in the right opportunities where they're actually interested in something we have to say, and we've actually got a problem of theirs that we can potentially solve. Everything else, I don't want to say it's smoke and mirrors. I know it builds up to it. But to me, that conversion between leads and actual opportunities that we're working for real in the pipeline, that to me is the number one metric that I look at. Love that. And the last question is, what is some sage advice that you would give to people right now as they're looking to maybe refine their outbound strategy? Sage advice from a, from a wise old sales guy. Huh? Um, <laughs> I mean, actually, if I had to come up with it, I would say, forget what you used to know, you know, times have, have changed and really rapidly and they're still changing. I mean, this, this old dog is learning new tricks every single day because it's really fast paced how it's changing. So yes, outbound still absolutely positively works, but not the way it did in the past. Get crazy specific, break things down to the least common denominator, you know, a specific title, one industry, one problem to solve, whatever it is. It's really resonating with potential buyers who get bombarded with mass outreach and, you know, superficial personal personalization every hour. And then I would say, whatever your methods are going to be, couple that with finding new ways to get hot leads, right? 
healthier sales organization. So I talked about partnerships, maybe it's referral programs, whatever it might be for your particular organization. It's a dogfight, right? Mm -hmm. And if you just rely on traditional outbound, it's going to be tough. So get creative, try some new things and figure out ways to multiply the impact of your sales organization by taking advantage of other avenues. I mean, I think that that's the constant search to get your salespeople in front of decision makers. You got to think out of the box. You got to bring new things to them um, besides just the traditional outbound and cold calling. Otherwise, it's just going to be a grind. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for taking your time here, Dan, walking us through these incredible strategies. Scuba prospecting was birthed here. So I, I don't know, maybe yeah, you go. get the shirt, the swag on. Maybe it's like some a different concept of merch you might be uh, selling here soon. But appreciate your time. Thanks for the strategies. And we'll see you all in the next one. You got it, Morgan. I appreciate the opportunity. I, I love, as you can tell, I love talking about stuff like this. So yeah. great opportunity for me. And, and uh, I appreciate it. Absolutely.